0: broken, abused, whole.
1: The Brave Files are supported by Julian Desjardins, a certified strategist for small business owners. If you've already made that brave decision to start your own business, it's time to stop trying to do it all alone. Check out our show notes for more information or visit juliandesjardins.com. You are listening to The Brave Files, real stories from people living
0: courageously. You can listen to the show anywhere you enjoy podcasts, and we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on Apple Podcasts. It really does make a difference, and we appreciate it. Now here's your host, Heather Vickery.
1: Welcome to The Brave Files, everyone. This is Heather Vickery, and I have been so, so excited for today's guest, your going to have the distinct pleasure of getting to know Dr. Tasha Dickerson. When I first met Tasha, I was blown away by her story, but it is really, truly better shared in her own words. So Tasha, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Heather. Oh, I am excited to have you. So there's a lot to your story and it's probably hours worth of interview and we only have 30 minutes here, but can you just tell us a little bit about about who you are and how you've come to be this force of a woman that you are now?
0: Definitely. So let me give you some background. I'm a professor. I also am a a founder and owner of a nonprofit organization called Stress Out. In addition to that, I'm a certified life coach. And all of this came about because I wanted to form an organization, Stress Out, which stands for striving to reveal, encourage, succeed, and strengthen others by uniting together. And I wanted to have a sense of unity among women. And this is where I formed this really, really awesome nonprofit organization to promote unity. Uh, I'm also a recent published author of a book called Sisterhood, Traveling the Scarlet Road to an Authentic Life. And this book details a lot of personal stories and my trajectory of my life and everything when it's focusing exactly on the title, Sisterhood, and again, just Uniting Women.
1: I love that. I have your book right here, and we'll get to that uh, hopefully in just a little bit. But can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you ended up forming your nonprofit? Awesome. Well, it started, I would say, probably high school.
0: I've always had a lot of girlfriends, and I was always that girl that other girls would flock to. And the girls that I would be friends with would not be friends with other women. And so I just grew up in that type of uh, environment. Well, it wasn't until I got to college that I started to branch out. And all of those girls that I was um, so used to being around all went separate ways. So then I found myself by myself and just trying to learn to grow up and to adapt to a different culture, environment and everything at college and um i just i ran into a guy and it just changed the entire dynamics of my life just being brought up in a small um, city in a state where you go to church uh you you know your values you know your morals and everything of that sort i was about 20 years old when i first encountered physical abuse from a guy it just changed the whole path of the way i thought the way my life would be and to this day that is what started me on the journey that I am, I am on today and i found this organization to help women
1: tasha are you comfortable sharing a little bit more about um this this unhealthy abusive relationship oh yes um and this is what i do i i talk
0: to other women and especially young girls who feel that because it's your boyfriend, it's not really abuse. And then we we realize that we make stories and we make excuses for them. But I found myself in a situation dating this guy who I thought was someone who cared about me and not knowing any better, you know, just the physical abuse, you know, it could be something as, as we feel is so minor that he just grab your arm too tight, and he leaves marks on your arm. Or and that's not okay. Right? No, that's it's not. It's not okay. It's not okay. Yeah. And, you know, he play around and say, oh, I was just playing with you, and we we just leave it as is. And like, okay, he's just playing with me until the next moment something else happens, and we don't do anything about it. And so that was a point in my life that I went through that for two years. And my parents, my family, no one knew about that. And I just endured it because I felt like he was my boyfriend and it really wasn't abuse. You know, I just kept telling myself that. But I was smart enough to know subconsciously it was wrong because I did tell my best friend. So I'm telling myself over and over that it's okay because he's my boyfriend. But subconsciously, I'm telling my girlfriend, I know this is wrong. And I guess a part of me wanted to know that if something happened to me, someone would know and would alert someone because I didn't have the
1: strength to do that. So on some level, you were literally feared for your life. Definitely. By this young boy. Yes. You know, we live now, we live in the Me Too generation, right? Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. And as women, especially women of our age, we're not, we're not old, everybody, but we're we're not babies, right? Um, Right. We have countless stories of me too. Uh, I have my own college story. It wasn't physical abuse. It was emotional abuse. And I often tell people, I wish he'd hit me Mm -hmm. because I would have gotten the hell out of there. At least I think I would have. Right. But you're right. We find ways to convince ourselves that something is acceptable. Yes. When it's not, because we don't know how to get out of it. Exactly.
0: And I look back into that and it was one day that changed my life. It's like one particular moment. And I, I can remember like it was yesterday and we we're sitting in the room and we we're talking and all of a sudden I'm sitting there and this guy is on top of me. I'm on the floor and he's choking the life out of me Oh my! Goodness. and I'm laying there on the floor and I'm thinking to myself, I'm about to die. And for what? You know why am I about to die and I just could not fathom the thought I'm like I'm only 22 and this is happening and for the likes of me I found strength to just fight this guy and I was able to break a loose run outside get into my car he ran wow. after me and he jumped in front of my car and I was I just so determined that I was going to run him over if he did not move and, for you. you know, he jumped out of the way. I made it back to my room. I called my girlfriend crying and screaming that he tried to rape me. He abused me, just everything. And she wanted me to tell the the school authorities and everything. But again, I still was not strong enough to do that.
1: It is and, my hope that the college kids, the girls, and even the boys, I, I understand that abuse can go both ways, but there's a, a more physical threat just because of brute strength. If any of you are out there listening, you're young, go to the authorities. Yes. Do not let this be your story. Yes, yes, definitely. And I
0: I tell girls now and I encourage them, tell someone, don't let him have that power over you to control your mind to think that it's okay, because it's not, it's never okay. I I don't care if it's physical, emotional, Mm -hmm. verbal,
1: get out of the relationship, it's not worth it. Yeah, get out and protect yourself and don't let it happen to somebody else. Right, exactly. So one of the things you said the very first time we, we met, and this stuck with me, I've thought about it over and over since that first encounter, you said one wrong step, one thing that had happened, could have happened differently than it did, and my story would have been different.
0: Yes, and I feel that way because currently I work with women who are incarcerated, and I am a reentry coach. To where, when they are released from prison, they're re-entering back into their communities, and I assist these women with their goals and their aspirations. I go step by step, and I hold them accountable for the goals that they say they want to accomplish. So whether it's going to their um, parole hearing, trying to get child support from from spouses, or whatever the case may be i'm there with them as a friend and as a supporter and what i realized within this organization that i formed i could have been one of those women just one decision that i could have made could have landed me in that same place where they were and that's what i said the decisions and the choices that we make every day will have a profound effect on our life for years
1: to come it totally gives me chills it did the first time it does today you're right our decisions are are important and yeah make the make the right ones if you can and that doesn't mean we don't make mistakes tasha i'm sure you're not going to come to us and tell us you've never made a mistake oh my gosh Um. (laughs) we're we're
0: built on making mistakes but it's learning from those mistakes yeah because all of this happened to me It was a learning lesson because I'm the woman I am today
1: built off of those mistakes that I've learned from isn't that the truth aren't we all so what was the moment for you that you realized you were called to do
0: this work the moment I realized that is when I decided to become a reentry coach and sitting there in this room surrounded by 12 other women in a group telling their story their story wasn't no different from mine it's just that they made the decision to react and I didn't and so when you realize that you are no different from the next person sitting across the table who made another decision that you could have made it opens up your mind and you start to think wow I'm just like her
1: we are also connected aren't we
0: yes we are in more ways than we think
1: yeah I think that's absolutely profound and absolutely true so Talk to us a little bit about the reentry coach program. Uh, I think you mentioned that you are going to, you're working on building a home. You talked about there's some stats. Do you wanna share some stats with us about these women who are coming out of the system?
0: Yes, currently where I live in Houston, Texas, we have about 2,600 women that are released every year back into Houston and the surrounding communities. And when you look at the statistics, we're looking at about 70% of the women who are incarcerated. They're there because of something profound that happened to them. They didn't just wake up one day and say, hey, I'm going to jail. It was either something that happened to them while they were young, being molested either some type of abuse from a boyfriend or a spouse that uh, that they reacted to whatever was happening to them that landed them incarcerated. So when when I hear this and I see this and I know their story their mothers, you know, their daughters, they they don't want to be there, you know, when they when I speak with them and I coach them they have so many ideas and it's like when i get another chance this is what i'm going to do differently i love to hear that because i'm a part of helping you accomplish that goal for a second chance
1: so what typically happens when these women are released from jail or prison what when happens?
0: they're when they're released we pick them up from from jail um before are released. actually we have a plan for them So within that three-month plan, we have them already. They have housing ready for them once they come out. And the transitional housing could be someone who has a home that's going to be a safe haven for them. They're going to go there and they're going to do classes. They're going to take anger management classes. They're going to take maybe abuse classes, um, mental health, whatever the case may be to help them become even stronger to re-enter into society. Those are the type of things that they would do while they're out in addition to that we also help find a job you know someone so because important. because what I realize the difference between men and women when men really when they're released they can go sleep on someone's couch you know all they want to do is I need to get a job get some money in my pocket and I can do this so I can sleep with whomever wherever just let me get a job where for women we need to feel safe and comfortable We're not worried about a job, and we don't have a safe place to lay our heads. So once we feel comfortable and safe in 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 an environment that's clean, that's when we can think straight and say, okay, now I can get my life together. So what my organization is trying to do is build funding, get the necessary things that we need in order to have a transitional home for these women so they can come home to something that is more safe. Because nine times out of ten, when they are released, they're going back to the environment in which put them there.
1: Yeah, right. And we don't want that. You're actually working on raising the funds to build a halfway house. Is that correct? Yes, correct. correct. Yeah. And that was something that really resonated with me. Do you have any statistics about typically once they go, if they go back into that toxic environment, how quickly or how many are going right back
0: into the system? Oh, if they go back into the same environment, we're looking at about Four to five women reenter and go back to prison if they're going back into their environment. We don't
1: want that. And that's
0: right, and that's something we're trying. Four out of five. Is that what you said? Four out of five. Yes. Five women go right back. Go right back if they go back into that environment. So our mission is to reduce the recidivism rate because we don't want to reenter back into prison. We don't want that to happen.
1: This work is so so powerful to me i am so honored that there are people like you out there helping these these women because i'm all about you know lifting people up and you know we can make mistakes we make big mistakes these ladies have made big mistakes regardless of the reason they've made big mistakes but it does not have to define them exactly
0: Exactly, and when, that's what we tell them because the first seventy-two hours is the most critical for them. If they don't have a safe place to stay within the seventy-two hours, they're going back. They are going back.
1: Wow, just letting that sink in is, and and I come from such a different place. Uh, I can so own my my white privilege. Here I sit uh, <laughs> as a middle-class blonde white girl who does. I don't, you know, I'm I'm. LGBT, but I don't look it, you know, I hate to stereotype, but no one would know if I walk on the streets. So the privilege just oozes out of me, which is part of why I do the work that I do. And I wanted to share your story and other stories like this, uh, to give it a voice and to make it bigger because, you know, so many people live with blinders on. They do. In their lives. And, and
0: yes, for what it is. And then, what I realize is that this population, no one recognizes it. I said, these women are here. They're, come, they're re-entering their communities every year. And we're looking at about 25% of women released from prison. They fail within the first six months. You know, where's the help? No, you know, within a year, you're looking at about 35% of them. And don't even say five years, because the stats shows you're about at 70, 80%. That's going back to jail within the first five years of getting out. It breaks my
1: heart. Are there organizations like yours in other parts of the country that you know of?
0: Yes, I know of Second Chance, and I think they do men and women. My organization only focuses on the women.
1: I just, there needs to be work like this throughout the United States. It's so important and so powerful. I I think every state
0: should have something, you know, some type of program for men and women both.
1: I have no doubt that you will somehow make this an international thing. Oh, Thank you.
0: I am trying. That is my goal. That is definitely my goal to bring attention to it. Definitely.
1: I believe it. And if anybody out there has the interest or the power to help Tasha take this to other states, reach out to me or reach out to her. Her information will be in the show notes because this is something that needs to change uh, so drastically within, within our nation. Tasha, what's the biggest struggle here? What's the most difficult thing to get done? Uh, the most difficult thing I would say is just the attention
0: of people to make them aware, you know, the awareness and the importance of this.
1: So, Do you mean people who are helping you do the work or raise the funds? Or do you mean these women themselves? I think both. Yeah. You know, both. We're uh,
0: just raising the funds and finding the right person to go to who has the authority to give you that money. And the women, just the biggest struggle of them knowing they have it, In themselves to make a difference you know
1: I imagine that's a a huge part of it to get them on board with putting the effort in and knowing that if they want to be better and to not go back down the same rabbit hole that this is really important work yes and when you think about
0: it just it's just talking to these women they're so broken you know I can remember speaking with one of them and one of the exercises was to just share something that you love about yourself and one of the ladies said, I don't, I don't have anything that I love about myself.
1: Oh, I said that, that if you ask her that question today, she has a different answer. Yes.
0: It's, I mean, by the end of the program, she couldn't be quiet. I mean, I she that. just
1: saw herself in a
0: whole different light. And that's what it is, is just transforming the mind and giving them the affirmations that they need to know that they are stronger. They already have it inside of them. Yeah. They just
1: need help to bring it out. Absolutely. So that my next question was going to be what's been your greatest joy or a memory that really, you know, just lights you up. Um, It sounds like you just shared one, but you have another one to share. Yes. Uh, Just
0: knowing that when someone comes to me and they tell me, you know what, you have made a difference in my life. Like I'm better because I've gone through this program and because coaches like you believed in me, I know I'm never going back. That's the greatest joy ever.
1: Yeah. Do you have, how long have you had the organization? Uh, Three years. Okay. Do you have any stats? Do you stay in touch with these women? How many of them have gone through your program and then Um, stayed out? About 10
0: and they're out. They have not gone back. Thank God. And they're working. And the thing, half of them, decide to stay in Houston because some of them are not even from Houston. They come sure. you know, they're in prison, but they may be from Dallas or another part of Texas, but they decide to stay here because they know if they go back, they don't want to go yeah. back around the same environment. Yeah. So starting fresh is something that they decide to do that, and that's great. That
1: is awesome. There's nothing wrong with starting fresh. It's a, it's a good thing for everybody, right? You get right. You have the right to start fresh. You're not stuck. Exactly, you're not trapped. So your book, Sisterhood: Traveling the Scarlet Road to an Authentic Life. I have it here in my hands. I bought it right after I had the opportunity to meet Tasha, and it's a uh, it's a tiny little book. Um, yes, very some, small. <laughs> yeah, with some powerful stuff. It's uh, a day by day sort of inspiration, motivation. I highlighted several things, but one of the things that really spoke to me, you listed here as, as day nine, and I I deal with fear. I always say fear either owns you or empowers you and you have a choice. Yes. Um, but I, but I think fear is important. I don't want to be fearless. I don't right. want, I don't think anybody should want to be fearless because facing our fears, stepping into it gives us the opportunity to be brave. That's right. what this show is all about, right? Yes. So um, when we can choose bravery, it's life changing. But right. you have an acronym here for fear, which, which is new to me and I love it and I wanted to share it forget everything and run or face everything and rise. And you have a choice.
0: Exactly. And that's what it's about. Like you say, you don't want to be fearless because overcoming it is showing your bravery, but you have a choice. You can either forget it and just stay there and let it overcome you or you can face it and meet it head on. Yes, ma'am. It's and good that's, stuff. that's what I teach the ladies. We have to face it. You yeah. have to do it scared. I don't care if you scared, do it scared.
1: Do it scared. I have an entire speaker topic on that. So what? Do it scared. That's <laughs> I, right. I think that is incredible, important. And it's writing a book is hard, even one that's, that's little, uh, getting it done, pushing yourself to do it. So kudos to you for making that happen. I'm sure it was a dream of yours for a long time. It was, it's definitely. Really, it's really, really wonderful. Um, I am curious if we're not, you know, all in, in Houston or Texas, but if we wanted to get involved with your organization and help, is there a way for us to do that?
0: Yes, definitely. I have a website address. Everyone who wants to contact me can go to my website, and that is women4us.org. Um, subscribe. Send us an email and someone will contact you within 24 hours.
1: And we'll also have that link um, and some other awesome stuff up for you on the show notes so you can get access it that way as well. Uh, I have a couple more questions here that I always like to close the show with Tasha. The first one is, and I think this is gonna be so great for you specifically with the work that you do and the life that you lead, how do you celebrate success?
0: What I do to celebrate, I just spend time with my family. That's so important to me. I don't. It doesn't take much for me to be happy. So just being surrounded (laughs) by my family and my closest friends. That's great for me. That's my success story right there.
1: Do you do you stop and and give yourself a moment to appreciate the wins when they happen, like these women that you're helping, the moments of joy. To me, those little successes are so important to acknowledge and, and celebrate in some way, even if it's just giving them a moment to resonate. Yeah, it's, it's also what I
0: like to do is once the women are released, what we do is we call um, the basket party. And what we do is we all come together and we have some wine we relax but we do baskets so we're putting in different things for the ladies to give to them once they're released and that's that's our way of giving back to them they feel special because we what the things that we take for granted is something they've been looking for for whatever how many years they've been in there just a bar of soap, just having
1: soap of their own yeah what kinds of things do you put in the basket Uh, We have
0: different type of fragrances, maybe some perfume. We do gift cards because they're going to need that once they get out to get a driver's license or to pay whatever fees that they may have to pay. So we do clothes. uh, We do shoes. We do personal hygiene items. Anything that we can think of that we know they're going to need within those couple of days before getting a job we try to put that in the basket to help and how do you secure these items how do you get them Um, my organization we pay for it or we partner with other organizations who give as donations and we have a lot of people that just like to give i mean when we put out a blast and we let them know what it's for we have boxes of personal hygiene items and just different types of clothes and shoes they
1: really like to do that That's great. Yeah, that's excellent. Well, so that's a natural lead in to my next question. Other than your amazing organization, what is your favorite charitable organization to support? There are so many that are worthwhile.
0: They are, but the one that I, that's so close to my heart is called Jumpstart Reentry. And this is a nonprofit organization that does reentry just like I do but it's run by one of the females who had been incarcerated for 13 years. Oh, wow. And she re-entered, didn't go back, and she opened up her own business. Good for her. What yeah. a great
1: story. I'd love to have her on the show if you, if you talk awesome. to her. Oh, my God.
0: I talk to her. We try to have lunch as, at least once a month. She's phenomenal.
1: Excellent. Well, if, if you think she'd be interested, connect her with me because I'd love to have her on the show. I would definitely do that. Tasha, would you repeat your three words for us?
0: Yes. My three words are broken, abused, and whole.
1: Let that sink in for a second, friends. Broken, abused, and whole, right? It's your process. You've gone through all of these steps to get where you are. And now you would say you're living your destiny, right?
0: Yes, I am.
1: I love that. I am. Tasha, I'm honored that you took the time to be here with us and share Your story, this is important work. Thank you so much for being here with us. Thank you so much for having me. Friends, that's it for today's episode. I want to thank Tasha for sharing her truly inspirational story. You can listen to the show anywhere that you listen to podcasts. But if you're an Apple podcast user, do me a favor. Please go and subscribe, rate, and review the show. I consider it a personal favor. I really, really would be grateful for it. And this is Heather Vickery reminding you to choose bravely. The Brave Files is also supported by Frizz Marketing, a boutique marketing firm offering tailored services to small businesses and nonprofits. Frizz helps you distill your authentic story and get in front of the right audience. Contact them today at frizmarketing.com. Thank you
0: for listening to The Brave Files. Be sure to visit the Bravefilespodcast.com to access the show notes and discover fantastic bonus content. Music composed
1: and produced by Matt Lewis of Union Music, LLC.